Hello, may I welcome you to episode 33 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as they delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover that my guest began his career in the industry only a couple of years ago, 2019 to be exact. We discuss how he became involved in the industry, his challenges, what he would change from his past, his high points, what he would change within the industry, what advice he would give himself just starting out again, where he sees himself in the industry in the next five years and what he does outside of the industry. And as always, we end with a funny moving story. My guest this episode is Chris McGee, Managing Director of Crisscross Removals and Storage. Enjoy. Good morning, Chris. How are you today? I'm very well, Colin. Uh, thank you very much for having me on today. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. Welcome to Moving Matters. Can you tell everyone about yourself and the length of time within the industry? Well, my name is Chris McGee. I'm the owner, founder and managing director of Criss Cross Removals and Storage. I started up, like many people do in this industry, about five years ago as a man in van. Uh, and then sort of around about mid-2019, I decided to branch into removals and storage. And like, like everybody else, you know, you have a bit of a career. I went to university, uh, spent a couple of years out in Australia where I worked on building sites. And then I came back. I found myself landed in a job that I didn't enjoy working in an asbestos lab. Uh, and as an, I know, as an administrator, it just... Uh, it was just boring, you know, maybe I'd pass through like 10 samples a day. So it was really, really ridiculously monotonous. And I just thought to myself, I could do something a little bit better and, and challenge myself and push myself a little more. So I always had a bit of a flair for buying and selling like furniture and stuff on Gumtree and Facebook. And we would have went to the auctions and picked up like maybe like 10 washing machines with like small dents in them and then was able to resell them at a higher price. And then, of course, I would have needed to borrow a van to deliver those things. So I started borrowing my uncle's van. He eventually got fed up with it. And then I started posting ads on Gumtree once I bought my own van. And that's basically how we started. But for the first couple of years, it was, you know, man and van work, furniture deliveries, the odd house move, but we didn't have the capacity to service things to the standard that we do now. But it was about mid-2019, I just went, right, I'm going into removals and storage because you're competing for service rather than just price, whereas man and farm work is heavily reliant on price. So we started figuring things out as we went, and here we are today. Quite a few reviews and quite a, quite a good reputation within Belfast, and I'm, I'm very happy with that. So can you tell everybody about your company and the services it offers? Sure. Um, so yeah, it's crisscross removals and storage. Uh, we offer, obviously, the majority of our work would be house moves. About 85 to 95% of our work would be house removals and storage. We also do, you know, a bit of house clearance work, pre and post move clearance in one of our sort of smaller older vans. And then, of course, we have a packing service. We sell packing materials. And we also do a man and van service, which we've done quite a lot regularly between the two main universities within Belfast. So maybe people don't need a full removals team, they just need a few boxes moved. 
So we'll jump from Belfast to Derry, Derry to Belfast and sort of do it that way. So that would be the, the, the majority of our services. And like I say, 85 to 95% of our work is house moves, ranging from all different sizes, from a couple of hours right up until two or three days. And you do storage? We do storage as well, yep. Now, regarding the universities, mm-hmm. do you do the student storage at all? We don't, we, we, we don't do student storage because our, our storage is leased and the price just isn't as competitive for those guys. Right. That's the reason. But we have done in the past, we've done a lot of student work in the different storage places around Belfast and yeah. it seems to work quite well. But it would be a great area for the company that we lease from to get into. Yeah, absolutely. Where does the name come from? Crisscross removals. So uh, it's a bit of a strange one, but people always sort of recognize the fact that my name's Chris and the company name's Crisscross. And most of, most people that we speak to would assume that my second name is Cross, but it's actually McGee. <laughs> so they're like, are you Christopher Cross? Is, is, and I think he was he a country <laughs> singer or something back in the 80s? Christopher <laughs> Cross. So the majority of people sort of associate that. But the way the name came about was we had a, a guy that used to be a client of ours in the Asbestos and Water Lab, and he would have come in. Uh, very friendly guy, real bubbly. Still keep in touch with him to this day, in fact. Really, really nice guy. And he had said to me that his brother was uh, a marketer. And at this stage, I didn't really know anybody. And I didn't have a name apart from like some cards that said CM Vanaman. And I was like, that's played out. Everybody does that. But I didn't have any creative juices flowing at the time. I just needed a name to get started. And he had said, right, okay, let me see what I can do. So for like 60 quid, the guy came up with this thing. It was Crisscross Countrywide Services, which was our original name. Now that I look back, the logo was horrific. The, the name was horrific. Everything was horrific. But it seemed to have really stuck. And now we've sort of rebranded and... The, the name crisscross within Belfast is quite well recognized in our areas. So it stuck really well. And I, I'm, I'm, I, I, love, I love the name now. I didn't like it at the start, but I went with it because I had nothing else. And there we go. That's how the name came about. I think it's great. And I, I, I love the logo as well. I think it's just fantastic. Really, yeah, thank really you. Do. My girlfriend, she's a marketer. When we done the rebrand last year, she done the logo and the colors and stuff for me. So. It was a, a, the CC is really, really standing out and it's getting very well recognized on our trucks. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So what challenges have you had to overcome? Um, well, like we said, the challenges in the removals industry are daily. They're, they're never ending. Just basic, you know, staff, logistics, whatever else. Uh, it's, it's an it's a industry where a lot of things are very time sensitive. So thinking fast on your feet is, is a must. So you just need to kind of be aware and ready for any, anything that's going to get thrown your way in a day. I like to look at my week in advance and see what challenges could come up and try and be prepared for them in advance. But certainly the biggest challenge that I ever faced was a lack of preparation back in 2019 when my one and only van broke down and it took me four weeks to get apart. At this stage, I thought everything was great. The money was flowing in. It was flowing out even faster because of an extravagant lifestyle, let's just say, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) To put it mildly. So, yeah, the van broke down at zero income for four weeks because I had to postpone a lot of the work or pass it on to other companies. 
I finally did get a leased van, which was costing me a ridiculous amount of money a week. And yeah, I, I lost out on four to six weeks income and that really put me in the red and it, it took me months to climb that back out again. But a very, very good lesson learned in money management and business and cash flow and expenses and all that sort of stuff. Unfortunately, it all hit me at once. So at the time I thought my life was over, but we, 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 clawed, we clawed back eventually. I was able to make things work for six months before we got back on top of things. Tough times, tough times. <laughs> yeah. Very tough times. But you came through it. We came through it, yeah. Um, I, th- I think whenever you've got a lot of expenses, you know, I had big boy bills, rent and all that sort of stuff at that time. So there was a lot going on and I was wondering how I was going to pay it. But look, we scraped through just about. was able to pick up a little bit of cash work doing a couple of other things. And do these things are, are, are great because luckily I lived in Australia previous and I, I was on the bread line a few times, so I knew how to manage. <laughs> I, knew, I, knew, I knew how to stretch 20 quid, put it that way, for a week. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear, dear. If you could change anything from your past, what would it be? Changing from the past would be to start by building a team rather than try and build everything yourself. Because with a great team who can bounce off each other, you can create something really great from the start in terms of business I'm talking about specifically. I think in the early days, my ego got in the way a lot that I knew best and I was the best person to do the job. Whereas as time has went on, I realized that I'm not the best person to do a lot of the jobs. And detaching from the ego and being able to delegate and put people in the right places who are able to who are able to execute the job far better than I could. Because when, when you try and do too many things, you spread yourself very thin. The standards start slipping everywhere. So if you allocate the right people to do things, they're a high, high standard, then things just work out a lot better. So I would, that would be my advice to let go of your ego early in business and start hiring people and delegate quickly. And there's no egos in this industry, Chris. No, not at all. Not that no. one. <laughs> what is your high point of being in the industry? The high point of me being in the industry, Colin, would be the fact that we've been able to create something great in such a short space of time and, and creating a great team. The guys, obviously, everybody has bad days when they come in, but everybody comes in to work and puts 100% of their effort in every single day. No matter how they're feeling, no matter how they're doing, they come in. They express what's going on with them in the morning. And then we always get calls from the customers later that day or the next day saying how amazing the guys were. So the fact that they can come in and push their personal stuff to the side and work through to make the company great, it's fantastic. Just creating a lot of happy customers has been a, a very high point for me. And just creating jobs, creating a great business, a great local business, all those things sort of make me feel great on a daily basis. And the fact that not everything is run by me and it's run by a lot of the team is really great as well. So that, that's my highest point, just being able to create a great local business and, and just keep growing, keep growing, try and bring new talent in, try and see where we can go, try new things. And uh, ju- just keep, we want to just keep trying to innovate as well with our own social media and things like that and see what we can do. So your team, I'll come back to your team for a minute. Sure. Do they have experience? Or have you bought them in and got them trained? Or have they come in from other removal companies? Tell me about your team. 
there's there's a mixture. So myself and David, who's who's now the general manager, David sort of started with me as we branched from man and van the removals when we made that transition. And we sort of learned a lot on the job, but shortly after we'd done that, we brought another guy in from another company who's been with us ever since. Now he's been highly trained, highly experienced, and he started to show us the proper way to do things. And from there, we brought other guys in from one of them worked for Pickfords in England, another one worked for Anthony Ward-Thomas. And those guys came in with their own different insights as well. And then, of course, we've, we've hired people who have no experience, who just have a great attitude and they've learned on the job and they've been fantastic. Just come in, good attitude, willing to learn. So building the team, it's not always about experience. I think it's about attitude. You want to make sure you've got the, the people in the right role. They've got the right attitude. They're highly customer focused and they're highly focused on what they have to do. And you can teach a lot of the basics and removals in a matter of weeks, but you cannot teach a good attitude. You need to have that from the start. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So what one thing would you change within the moving industry? I would like some sort of barrier to entry, Colin. Um, the reason being is, is not, I mean, I've heard a lot of people in this podcast talk about the same thing that I'm about to talk about. and it's. It's not about it's not specifically about undercutting. People can come in and maybe price a job for three or four hundred quid, and obviously, if you're a professional removals company, you're not even going to come close to that in the majority of cases. But these, you know, these guys are letting customers down last minute. They're stressing people out. They're not putting in contracts. When when we when we secure a move, there's a, there's a there's a contract there for us to complete that, and we will do that by hook or by crook. That's just how we operate. And these guys are just maybe they've got a lovely after. I've heard all, all sorts of stuff. You know, maybe there's a nice afternoon in the middle of the summer. We get a phone call. Our removals guys just cancelled on us. We can't get him on the phone. He's maybe went out on the beer. And people just need to be accountable for their actions. I think there needs to be a barrier of entry to stop people like this. Not specifically just from a, a cotton perspective, but from a customer service perspective as well. I think people are dealing with legal contracts they're dealing with a lot they've got families they've got jobs and if they get let down it can be an extremely horrible situation that people find themselves in and it's always the industry that gets the bad name not just that removal company it's the industry as a whole which is the a industry shame. as a whole and it, it, it transcends just from removals even in the tradesmen and things like that and people always feel that they're going to be let down by a service-based business and it's it puts a, it puts a bad taste in people's mouths and it's not great for the professional companies who do their absolute best to try and make sure the customer service is on point. So how can we change it, Chris? Maybe you would know better than me on how to put a, a barrier of entry in, some f- sort of qualification that, that, that will allow you to actually do removals. Unfortunately, any, any guy in a van can just go out and buy a van and throw up a post on social media and, and start driving work in. And I'm being extremely hypocritical here because that's how I started. But if I felt I didn't have the, the capacity to do a job, the high standard, I wouldn't have took it on. I would have passed them on to somebody else and give their details because I didn't want my reputation being tarnished. And I still do the same today, Colin. We do not take on office moves that we cannot facilitate because above all, yes, the money might be great. We might be getting thousands of pounds for the job, but if I feel that I can't complete that day a high standard, I will put it in the hands of the right people who can. Changing the barrier to entry is an interesting thing because you'll always need a man and a van for things like courier services. 
Sure. So if you came to my house and picked up a desk to move it, that could be classed as courier. But if you then came to my house and picked up four or five desks and a chair and a computer, at what point do we then say, well, hold on a minute, that's no longer a courier, that's more removal service. So it's quite hard to differentiate between the two. It's going to be a fine line and there's always going to be a fine line. But mm. where, where do we go? I don't know. I'm sure there's people who have been in this industry a lot longer than me and who are much smarter than I am in this area and would maybe have some ideas. But certainly, I think having some sort of barrier to entry is critical just to, to keep professional standards up. And I'm saying this from perspective that we've only got a certain amount of vans on the road. They're all three and a half tons. I know how people feel about them in the industry. But again, as I said before, if I feel that we cannot do a job to a standard that's in the customer's best interest, then we will not take it on. We will pass them into the hands of the right people. Yeah. Now, you mentioned before that you're doing your HGV and your CPC. Yes. yes. Why? Because we want to grow. <laughs> <laughs> I say we'll create a nice business, but of course, Colin will want to grow. I'm very ambitious about what we can do in Northern Ireland. I'm very confident in our abilities as a team and what we can do. We would like to start overseas work back and forth to the UK. And we, we, we just want to keep taking on the challenges. We've, we've had plenty of inquiries about jobs that we cannot take on going across the water. So I'm looking at patterns over the last 60 to 12 months, bearing in mind that market conditions have favored us very heavily. Yes. But there's also an element. We, 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 didn't, we, we use those market conditions to the best of our ability to invest in our social media, which we are continuing to do. And people are going to start seeing some really exciting stuff coming soon. We're just focusing on that. And I think we're trying to create a brand that is going to continuously drive us in work. Then we want to move into overseas work, have a truck going regularly across back and forth. And of course, the HGVs are just because we have the license and the CPC doesn't mean we have to put them on the road straight away. No, exactly. We don't have to buy one immediately. But if I was to try and book a HGV test right now within Northern Ireland, I could be waiting six months. So we get in at the right time. It's a very small cost in terms of the opportunities that it could bring us. Yeah. So that's, that's why we're doing it. We've got two, myself and the general manager, going through the HGV. And then we're going to assess our options and see where the next best way to go. But we've got to get the test over and done first in the CPC before we start making decisions. It's always good to have them. Absolutely. I like options, Colin. I like a lot of options. Oh, yeah. They will give you great options. Great options. Yeah. So what advice would you give to yourself just starting out in the industry again? Hire quickly and hire properly. Detaching from that ego, as I mentioned earlier, and just start hiring people from, from the word go instead of trying to take on the first three years I was doing everything myself. And I find a lot of people who are in the industry and want to grow or find themselves burnt out and stressed and not enjoying life and hating the industry, which then in turn gets reflected onto their customers. And some people never escape that, that sort of not being able to grow. And I think just hiring people, putting them in the right positions would be my advice to myself and do it quickly. And don't be afraid of the financial hit because if you believe in yourself as a, as a business owner, and in the industry, if you can hire the right people and you can, then you can start working on the tasks that are going to actually bring you in business. You can start working on the tasks that are going to help grow the business and make it a better business to work in. 
How have you gone about getting your stuff? Have you, ha- have you found it difficult? Or? No, people, we, we uh, indeed, .co.uk is a great place um, for, for the, the amount of people that we try and hire in. But I get messages from people regularly who want to come and work for us. So we will always trial out anybody who wants to come and work for us. And then we, we take it from there. Because we are so big on social media, I'm not doing as much as what we did maybe four or five months ago, but we, we are planning on it. People see that. People share our stuff. People see it. Anybody who's worked in the industry who are looking for a job. I have heard stories from people who have come across from different companies and they tell me what it's like to work there. And working at Crisscross is an absolute dream compared to it because we, we, we focus a lot on our employees and our customers. And that's basically how we, how we find our staff. They message us or we go to indeed.co.uk or a sponsored Facebook post always work quite well as well. Interesting. Because there's such a shortage in the industry of not just HGV drivers, but porters as well. Yeah. Well, that's why we try and bring in, we trial a lot of people, we try and bring in good people and we can train them up. Again, it's all about attitude. The way I do it, and people may or may not agree with this, but if I have a job that's a three-man job, then I'm going to send a fourth man on a trial to assist the three men. I'm not going to send that guy out. Yeah. I'm going to give them some basic knowledge about what has to be done because even if they're useless, it's fine because then they can just go home. But it costs me a little bit of money for the day or the, the couple of days or whatever, but that doesn't matter. If I feel like they're going to be a good fit, then we can go and start proper training and, and get them get them out on the jobs as soon as possible contrary to a lot of people's people well but that costs you money and whatever else but that's just how i won't run things and it seems they've worked so far it's interesting that because obviously being in software when i've taken on staff in the past i've always invited staff potentially new staff to come and work with me for the day yeah to give them an idea of what goes on you know the phone calls that come in the development that needs to be done research that sort of things and then once I do take somebody on within their first week of joining I take them down to my local client so that they can learn about the removal industry they can see the size of the trucks they can see what a containerized warehouse is like they can see what a working office is like just to give them that experience because I want them to know about the removal industry they're not just coming in here to write code they're writing code for an industry that I am very passionate about and they yeah. need to have a similar passion. And when you when you do that, Colin, do you, are you trying to suss somebody out to see what their attitudes like, to see how how they engage with your clients and stuff as well before you you consider making a final decision? It's for me to suss them out and for them to suss me out at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Their mindset has got to be totally on the job. It's got to be something that they want to do. Yeah, exactly. So that uh, kind of the exact same way I feel about bringing people in the in the art company and the art culture as well. Because the general public don't really know much about the removal industry, do they? They, they? they just think, somebody's going to come out and look at my property. They're going to go away, give me a price. Then a vehicle's going to turn up with some guys. They're going to load my goods, drive it X amount of miles, unload it, say goodbye, that's it, done and dusted. And it's not like that, to no, a degree. it's not. There's a lot of costing involved. and oh. But just off the back of that, Colin, I mean, and we, we, as the owners of the business, we obviously understand there's, there's more to just pricing the job. There's more to just loading the stuff. There's more, there's more to all that. But the thing that we also have to understand, and the customers don't care, it's up to us to educate them on the yes. process of what happens. It sounds harsh, but they, they, they don't care. 
they just want they want to know what their price is what the service is going to be like and it's up to us to educate them about what happens on the day in terms of timings in terms of solicitors yeah. key releases and things like that and when they're educated and you feel you've educated them to the best of your ability there's a higher likelihood that they'll go with you because they trust you and when, when they when they feel like they know everything that's going to happen then they're they're just they feel a lot more at ease yeah yeah and your brand has got to be spot on your vehicle's got to be clean and tidy the guys have got to be dressed in their uniforms and look presentable yeah i mean Absolutely. they don't realize that you could have a hundred thousand pound truck sitting outside their house well it's outside their house for today and it'll be outside their new house tomorrow being unloaded and apart from that it's not going to sit in the yard and do nothing exactly you know? and somebody's yeah. had to go out and buy that truck so yeah yeah i think it's all those small details yes definitely definitely the small details where do you see yourself in the industry in the next five years? Honestly, Colin, <laughs> I have no idea. I've got an idea of what I want Crisscross to look like. In the next five years, you know, trucks going across the water, in the storage, just keep growing the business organically and just keep sort of reinvesting profits. A couple of bigger trucks in the road, doing a lot of local moves. We want to be the go-to company in Northern Ireland for removals. That's the, the ultimate goal. but. In terms of myself and the, the industry, it's hard to say. I think because of everything that's happening at the moment, I think that the self-driving trucks and the automated trucks, I think there is going to be heavy investment into those over the next five years because people do not want to go through this again. I think that's going to be a main focus for the trucking industry and the car industry is to try and get those, those self-driving vehicles off the road. Now we may be 10, 15, 20 years away. I don't really know. I don't know too much about it, but I think that's going to be a main focus for the industry. Do you think, though, the self-driving vehicles are also going to have a knock-on effect with HGV drivers? Because if you're new to the industry today and you want to do your HGV test, in 15, 20 years' time, you may not be required anymore. You may be surplus to requirements because these trucks are just going to go on their own. Yeah. So do you want to do this HGV for potentially... 10, 15 years? Well, I, th I think that anybody who is career focused or anybody who, I think, I think just having a job these days and going into their role is, it's starting to become obsolete. I think you need to constantly be upskilling yourself, whether in some sort of technological area, I think you need to have an interest in, in something and I think you need to upskill yourself because if Let's say, for example, if, if I was a HTV driver and that is all I knew for 35 years, and then all of a sudden a self-driving truck comes in and wipes me out, then where do, where do I go? I, I, said, I said earlier in the podcast, I like options. Yeah. I have developed multiple skills outside of the removals industry over the last sort of three to four years, whereas if anything was to happen, I can jump into other places and do other things. I think it's important that people need to realize that they need to upskill themselves constantly in different areas because technology is moving so fast, faster than any of us can even begin to imagine. So it's important to keep on top of those things and constantly be looking for the next step. Well, don't go into technology because I don't want to lose my job. <laughs> <laughs> so don't use that as an option. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> any other changes in the industry at all, Chris? What, what I really think is going to happen, and, you know, we're moving out of a, an older age, Colin. 
in terms of word of mouth was good enough to grow a business. It is no longer like that. We are, we are in the 21st century, 2021, where life is social media. That is where people spend, according to my screen, three hours and 26 minutes per day on average last week. My girlfriend is a social media marketer, digital marketer. Her average screen time is a third of her day, eight hours, because of what she does. Yeah. People are living in social media. And I think the, the guys who are maybe at the tail end of their career are going to retire and the new age is coming through. You've got the likes of, I'm going to mention some names here who are extremely inspiring and a couple of my good friends of mine. You've got the likes of Warren's Removals who are doing a phenomenal job. Yep, absolutely. You've got Dream Tomb Movers who have grown a fantastic brand on Instagram who are now in a position where they can start leveraging out because of their brand and maybe getting into different areas. I think the guy, Daniel, is just fantastic on Instagram. Give him a big shout out. And these guys who are coming through now, and I want ourselves and Crisscross to be one of them, which we're working on at the moment. The, the new brand is going to be on social media. So if, if you're not heavily invested into that side of your business, I think in 10 years, you're going to be obsolete completely. Personal opinion. Are you saying social media as a whole, as in literally your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, or are you saying just one or two of those? Because it is quite difficult to keep all three stroke four up to date with the same content, which is going to probably hit the same person multiple times. And sometimes you just get to the point of, oh, I've just seen that on Facebook. Oh, I've just seen that on Twitter. Is it not too much? That's what you want to be doing. You want to be doing, you want to be hitting the same person multiple times if they're moving house. You want the, uh, as many points of contact as possible. Working with different creative, we, we're constantly updating our ads and testing and tracking to see which one works best. And here's the beautiful thing about ads. I'll come back to the multiple platforms in a minute. But when we test new ads, people are always saying to us, oh, they may, they may not convert straight away through that ad, but then yeah. they may go on. and, and such as the removals industry, where people want to do their research before they buy. So it's not like a discretionary purchase. It's not like something you maybe see for £19.99 and you'll buy it straight away through an ad. If you're going to be spending £800, £1,200 or, or beyond on a removal, you want to make sure you've done your research in that company. So if they see your ad, then they might jump onto your website, look at your testimonials and things like that. Then they'll contact you. It might be several days later. And that's when you ask, where did you find out about us? Oh, we've seen your ad on Facebook. So even though it may not be a direct conversion, you want to make sure that you're hitting people constantly. But in terms of the social media platforms, what you post on TikTok is completely different to what you post on LinkedIn. It's completely different to what you post on Instagram. It's different to what you post on Facebook. Not all the time, but generally it's different demographics. I'm not on the TikTok, Chris. I'm not. You're not going to catch me on there doing funny dance movements or a computer in my hand or something like that. I'm not into yeah. that. That's yeah. for, that's that's for the youth. <laughs> <laughs> I told Warren's removals this story as well, Colin. I had used TikTok as a personal project back during lockdown, as everybody did, and was able to grow up to thirteen thousand followers, doing exactly what you said, stupid dances, mainly because I was bored because I had nowhere to go <laughs> apart from what the dog. <laughs> <laughs> but I decided I decided to use it for business back in June and I created a crisscross page, which we have not done much on, admittedly, but we will be doing more. But I, I just went through 
a, a standard, like this is what a full pack of move looks like, crisscross removals, done a voiceover, showed them about the wardrobe boxes, about packing the kitchen, about loading the van, about tying things up. And it was just a nice sort of 30 to 40 second clip. And I, put it, I, I uploaded it anyway. And I think it was on a Saturday afternoon. And I came in on Monday and the work phone had like 13 or 14 missed calls with people leaving messages saying, I've seen your video on TikTok. Can I get a quote? <laughs> I didn't look at the video from the Saturday to the Monday. And once I seen the calls, I then went on and I seen the video had 10,000 views organically. So it, it was completely, it was people who had said their daughter had seen you guys on TikTok and they gave us the recommendation. So it is a powerful platform. Got to be very careful with your hashtags. On TikTok? Well, on all social media, I suppose. In, in what way? Well, you've got to have the right hashtags to, to attract the right people. Yeah, yeah. Again, this is sort of beyond what I know a lot about the likes of Instagram. Generally, yeah, you, you need to sort of do your hashtag research. Instagram, I know, is changing on a daily basis. It's just constantly changing. So using the right hashtags, the amount of hashtags you use, where you place them, is all becoming very important. But again, I'm no, I'm no expert on Instagram. Now your girlfriend can deal with all uh, that. I know, yeah, well, she, she is. She's a, she's a strategist on Instagram. Um, we've just had a lot of luck running Facebook ads, and I've just learned a lot through, through experience, the same way I did in the early days of the removals industry. Excellent. So what do you do outside of the industry to switch off then, Chris? I get the impression that you don't switch off. I, believe it or not, I do. I, I check out at weekends, Colin. I'm not saying once once my Friday is done, then I just go into a different time zone or a different planet. Generally, I have a lot of hobbies. I've got my own podcast. Uh, I try to do an episode every week, but work commitments means that I'm going to have to do like yourself every couple of weeks, uh, which I really enjoy. I The C. McGee Show, we interview entrepreneurs. We interview boxers. Uh, and MMA fighters. Boxing is a massive passion of mine. Anybody that follows me on social media will know that. I love watching the fights. I watch them every week. I've recently started back the Art Boxing Club and I have been training for a white collar charity show, which I'm raising money for, for a mental health charity in Northern Ireland. And I'm really looking forward to that. So boxing is a huge part of my life. My podcast is a huge part of my life. I love going out and meeting people. I love walking my dog. I love going out for dinner. I love spending time with my family. And yeah, I'm huge into health and fitness. Go to the gym four or five days a week and just really just try and keep on top of that because I feel when I'm in that good, healthy state, then I have a lot of energy to do a lot of things. (laughs) Where do you find the time? (laughs) I have no kids, Colin. No kids. (laughs) I have no kids and I still can't find any bloody time. (laughs) Scheduling, structure, delegating, uh, just constantly yeah. trying to, I mean, like I said earlier on off camera, I never want to look back on my life and go, I should have tried that. I should have tried that when I was 20 or 30 Yeah. because I don't want to live my life with regret. I want to make sure that I at least try everything and I'll give it a good month, six weeks, whatever. And if I do not enjoy the process of doing it, then I'll scrap it very, very quickly and just know, right, at least I tried it. And that, that's what we continue to do. And that, that, that may be the same with crisscross removals. I may turn around one day and just go, I don't enjoy this anymore. And I'll go back and I'll try something new. I'm quite erratic like that at times. 
Well, let's hope not. Let's let, hope let, not. Let's, let's hope not. No, I, I really do. I love what I do every single day with Chris Cross. But look, you never know what's around the corner. To be honest, though, Chris, once you're in the removal industry, you'll never get out. Is that right? Fuck my word. <laughs> Even I've tried in bloody software and I still haven't managed to get out. <laughs> and finally, I'd like to end my podcast with a funny moving story. Do you have one or more to tell? I hear all the stories that, that you've previously presented. And <laughs> there, there's always something involving a, a vibrating box or a, you know some sort of toy. But I'm going to tell you about a very challenging day, which was, it was kind of like a domino effect. Outside looking in, it was hilarious. From now, look at, looking backwards, but... At the time, I felt like just sticking my head in the gutter and, and, and not returning, <laughs> just living down there. <laughs> so one day we had, I remember very specifically, we had, a, we had a pack on on a Thursday and then we had the move on the Friday. That was maybe 900 cubic feet. So we're going to send a couple of lutes over to accommodate the move. Pack was pretty straightforward the day before. But then we had another small job, which was maybe like 450 cubic feet. So we had our three lutens. And the morning of, one of them broke down and then a staff member phoned in sick. So already we were sort of feeling the pressure. I managed the phone company we lease vans off. We got a van at very short notice and uh, we, we then sent that to the job, the 400 cubic foot job, which was straightforward enough. Two guys over, no problems at all. I was then on my way from that job in a taxi back to the office. And then my team leader, who's now general manager at the time, David, phoned me saying, the wheel's fallen off one of the vans. Oh. And I went, <laughs> I went, what? And he went, the wheel's fallen off. And I went, what do you mean the wheel's fallen off? Is the tire burst? And he went, no. And he sent me a photo. The wheel had actually fell off the van. Oh, my and word. I was like, Christ. So i was sitting going these guys and i phoned the customer and i said to him i said look i'm really really sorry we we've got a van on the way to you to start packing and loading and everybody was all over the place staff members were sick people needed to go home and eventually luckily enough we had the we had a a recovery truck come and we were able to fix it my mechanic got us in a very short notice we managed to get the truck over to the the other property by half 10 11 in the morning so we still had them out for their 12 or 1 p.m deadline (laughs) <laughs> and I just remember at the end of the day when we're, we were unloading the vans, everybody just sort of lay back on the blankets at the very end of the day and just let out a big sigh of relief. <laughs> it was probably about a year ago. It was right bang in the middle of November. And it was, it was just probably one of, the, one of the most relieving times that I've ever had. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't like to be in that position. See, again, the, the general public don't realize this. If you've got a wheel falling off your truck or a breakdown or anything like that, or a guy phoning in sick, you have to yeah. deal with it. They don't realize it. Yeah. It's, it's one, because it's such a highly labor intensive industry, you know, you can't, you can't send two men to a three man job. You can't send three men to a four man job because of the time sensitivity around removals. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's impossible. You know, luckily, myself and david work in the office now and if somebody phones in sick we have an option of you know one of us going out which is always good so we're never short-staffed really excellent chris many thanks for giving up your time today i truly appreciate it colin thank you very much um for for bringing me on i really appreciate it the opportunity absolutely my pleasure
Thank you very much. Cheers. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 33 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice and please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Chris McGee of Criss Cross Removals and Storage for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Chris. If you would like to know more about Criss Cross Removals and Storage and the services they provide, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me. So until next time, keep moving. Keep moving.